Hi again, everybody. Welcome to your Life's Work podcast. I am J.R. Mann. Today we're going to do privilege. We're doing privilege. We're going to talk a little bit about racism, but mainly we're going to stay in the sweet pocket of privilege. I want to ask you questions, and I want to design part of this as a real poking and prodding to who you are, how you live in your community, and who you do that with. I, I want, uh, you know, again, I could come blasting out and saying I'm all about the protests and give you justifiable reasons on why certain shit has happened this week. I'm not going to do that. I don't think that serves anybody. I'll let television pundits, I'll let political leaders and religious leaders take up the various positions on why shit got burned or even why a guy got killed. I think we can all agree, though, that George Floyd should not have been murdered at the hands of the Minneapolis police. Period. End of story. And that needs a hell of a lot of justice to it, not just in that community, but also in the community that you or I live. And with that, I hope that there is a constant pressure that is put on the Minneapolis powers that be, the Minnesota powers that be, or even the, the, the leaders of our country, a constant pressure to seek justice. And then from there, understand what really getting rid of oppression looks like. Like really, really, truly, like what, a, what, what the hell are we looking at? Like what is, what, are the, what is the practicality of getting rid of this? Is it to vote? Sure. Is it to protest? Sure. Is it to do things like this? Yes. But more than anything, it's going to come from you deciding in a moment, in a flash, what is going to be appropriate for you in your community when it comes to privilege, racism, and oppression. Like when you're caught in a moment where some jackass is making some stupid-ass joke about another race, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? It comes in the moment when you think about the poor or the guy holding a sign on the off-ramp to where you live. It's going to come in a moment when you think about people who take government assistance or immigrants crossing the border. It's going to come in a moment when you have to decide what the value of your life is to the value of another that doesn't necessarily look like you, come from the same place you do, or even want to be in the same place as you or them. Or how about those of different face? Holy balls. Imagine if we talk about that. It's going to come in a flash when you think about what a Muslim is, what a Buddhist is, what a fundamentalist Christian is. So I want to hold in, in this conversation, in this conversation, it sounds like such an emergent, right? I want to hold in this talk today, this idea that we're pounding questions into our consciousness and our hearts. That's what we're doing right now. For 30 minutes, we're going to come off the protest and we're going to start evacuating, extricating, removing, digging out of some of the thinking that's in us that leads to oppression opposition and in racism and privilege because privilege is real 
And it's happening. Now, for purposes of this conversation, if you don't know me and you're new to me, I have three adopted kids. They were a sibling group of three. One of them's black, Caucasian, mixed, as they would say. One of them's Mexican, Caucasian. The other one's super white. (laughs) So my family has felt the, the evil of racism, discrimination, and oppression. Period. That's just how it goes. I've had occasion to witness racism with my daughter, where people didn't know I was her father, and were thinking that it was okay to say shit in front of me. (laughs) And if you know me, you know that I don't let that stuff go. So I want you to hold on to that understanding about me, because occasionally... I'll say things thinking that you know that. (laughs) So I just want you to know where that comes from. But I want to talk about privilege. First and foremost, privilege keeps new life at bay. Any kind of new life, we're looking to create. We're looking to give and receive love. We're looking to prosper one another With life, with life-giving activity. And privilege, the idea that I have or that those people have just because they are a certain thing, a white person, an Asian person, a black person, in any given culture, the privilege and that idea of settled comfortability in, in them Keeps new life at bay. And remember, we're looking for the creation of life. We're constantly looking for the creation of life through giving and receiving of love. And again, for me as a spiritual director, I'm constantly doing that in the guises of God, the the divine. My anchored wisdom tradition sits in Jesus, in the teachings of Jesus. But also, you know, I I don't make any... I don't make any uh, a secret that uh, I also like to dip my toes into other wisdom traditions because other wisdom traditions have got a lot of good stuff. And most every religious wisdom tradition or wisdom tradition has got a foot anchored in the idea of new life. What is bringing new life? Privilege does not bring new life. It is a consuming fire. Privilege is a consuming fire of exclusivity, hoping you find its warmth among the burning bones of those who have given life for your comfort. Again, privilege man feeds on itself. And that warmth and that comfort that you feel in privilege usually come at the cost of other people's discomfort, of other people's blood, of other people's work. And again, one of the problems with privilege is that we sometimes don't see it. And when I say we, I say me. I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood. I was fortunate enough to grow up in an area, fortunate, listen to the words I'm saying, blessed to grow up in the words that had a a good, good diversity in them. I went to school with all kinds of different folks. And I'm really, really glad that I did. But some of that white privilege that I grew up with, it really did. It it not only did it exclude me from, from having other relationships, but I, but I was at times exclusive with the relationships that I had. Because I, was, because I did see division growing up. And I know you do too and did and are too. 
seen division. Black neighborhoods, white neighborhoods, Asian neighborhoods. And the mixing of those isn't as common. And generally speaking, white people have had the luxury of the privilege, right? Have had the luxury of being able to enjoy the spoils, if you will, of labor. That's a real thing. You don't stop privilege by asserting power or brawn. And you don't walk it to a church and hold up a Bible. And again, that's not me beating on Trump because we all saw Trump walk across Lafayette Park and hold a Bible up at a church. In moments before that, in an antithetical, unbelievable move, he asserted that violence was going to take care of what he needed to take care of. And then to hold a Bible in front of the church, it doesn't make any fucking sense, frankly. It's backwards. And again, this is not me Trump-hating, so let's be very careful here. Because if I get emails from you people about me being a Trump hater, about me being a Democrat hater or whatever, like it's just not, it's not existent in this conversation. It's me doing the what is in privilege. But to put the two of those together, we are not going to move privilege by burning shit down and looting it. And we are not going to move privilege by exerting a theological, ideological, dogmatic premise. So hear me squarely spotlighting both of those things. Opposition breeds opposition. Opposition breeds opposition. Meanwhile, there's a guy named George Floyd still dead, and we're still seeking the justice of oppression, of discrimination, of racism. Let's keep focused, man. Let's keep focused. Your privilege at the end of the day is your, is your poverty. Your privilege, listen, is your poverty. Because your privilege, my privilege, blinds the human heart. It blinds you from need. Your privilege, your comfort, your ability to have, to do, blinds you from others' needs. Because you don't got them. It blinds you from the orphan, from the handicapped, from the marginalized, from the poor, from the widow. It blinds you from racism. It blinds you from discrimination. And it blinds you from oppression. If you don't have those things because you're privileged to not have those things, then the chances of you fighting for them or understanding that in an empathetic way are probably close to damn zero. Well, JR, does that mean I give up my comfort? Well, JR, does that give up, do I, do I have to give up my shit to go, you know, feel that horrible thing over there? No, it doesn't mean that at all. It means that you recognize what your privilege is. I recognize that I'm a white guy. I recognize it. And I recognize that throughout my life, I haven't had to have been stopped because I'm black. I haven't had things said to me because I'm black, like my daughter. I haven't had to because I'm white. I'm a white guy. I know people who have. I live with them. We often assign privilege of color. 
but it lives and dies in everybody's heart. That's all there is to it. Privilege lives and dies in everybody's heart. It is easy to assign it a color, and we're and we're doing it. And we we and, and again, if we predispose all this shit to a color, I don't think we're doing justice to it. Again, I'm talking about the human heart today. The human heart, the quote unquote human heart, does not have a color. Privilege allows you to look the other way, and looking the other way is a choice that kills. Again, in the moment, my brothers, my sisters, in the moment when you are challenged by somebody who is asserting an oppositional, oppressive, racist, discriminatory idea in front of you, what are you doing? What are you doing? Are you correcting? Are you stopping? Are you educating? I don't want you to beat that away from people. I want us to love that away from people. I want people to be so overwhelmed by our mercy and grace in their privilege that they have no choice but to recognize it and then move on people's needs. Because remember, privilege denies the needs of others. It is blind to the need. And we just, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta take it and we gotta accept it. And I know there's people that are going to disagree with me, but that's okay. Privilege allows you to look the other way and on looking the other way, that choice kills. That's all there is to it. That choice kills. If you watch that video of George Floyd being murdered by a Minneapolis police officer, I don't know anybody that I've talked to in the last week that has not been absolutely, not only horrified, but moved to the point of emotion. Privilege, for the record, sees that guy as another black man, another urban black man. And that's the bullshit that we've got we've to go, hey, enough of that scene. No more seeing it like that. I've gotten to read a little bit about George Floyd and his family and his brother. And I have been moved to tears at how similar, how similar, man, we all are. Our protest, our protest, our protest is our collective disgust at the depths we've sunk into allowing privilege to dominate the hearts and minds of our communities. Our privilege, our privilege doesn't see it like that, y'all. But I want you to lean in on the disgust that you feel, the horror that you feel, the sadness that you felt, the grief that you have had and have as a result of that guy dying. Our protest is our collective disgust at the depths we've sunk into allowing privilege to dominate the hearts and the minds of communities. And only you, and I'm talking to you, are going to change this. Privilege needs mentors who have been bitten by it and or from its systemic bloodline. We need people who will allow ignorance, grace, We need people who allow the ignorance, grace, mercy, 
and ultimately forgiveness, which leads to widespread action working for the marginalized. So if you are seeing your own privilege, and in a minute I'm going to ask you some questions. If you are seeing that, we need certain things. And we need mentorship, man. We need mentorship. I talked to somebody on the phone today and I was like, where the hell are all the mentors and leaders and, and, and spiritual religious folks? Polit- where the hell are they right now to hold grace up against privilege and racism, discrimination, opposition, and oppression? Where are they? And for the record, those people, they need to look. They do. They need to be able to look and feel and have experience in being bitten by this bullshit or acknowledged their privilege enough to know that there is real need out there beyond their own comfort. The human heart, the human soul, the human consciousness is dying in our privileged poverty. That's all there is to it. We are dying in privilege right now. The country is on fire because of this poverty. Because love is absent of our thinking and movement. Love has taken a back shelf to the very thing that killed George Floyd. Before I get into these questions, I pray for new. I just pray for new. That's it. Just where I started. I pray for new senses of who you are among those in need. Let me say it again. I pray that you discover who you are among those who are in need. I don't pray for who you are based on what you want. I don't pray for who you are based on where you came from. I pray you self-actualize that you take in a greater understanding of your heart and mind through the needs of others, period, because that will mirror your your privilege and it will really help you understand how much you need to reach into those who have need, the marginalized, the oppressed, the people that are dying. I want to move into Ched Myers just real quick. Ched wrote, and I think I, did I say this at the top of the podcast? Ched wrote this wonderful book called Binding the Strong Man. And then he followed it up with uh, Say This to the Mountain, which is kind of a encapsulized version of Binding the Strong Man because Binding the Strong Man is like reading chemistry. I'm just, I'm just screwing with you. It's a heavy, heavy read. It's wonderful. All about the book of Mark and the reading of the book of Mark. In Say This to the Mountain, chapter, because I know there's a few that you got it, chapter 14, he asks a bunch of questions on the backside of the chapter concerning privilege. He, there, there's a long explanation on going into these questions, which are really, really like epiphany kind of building questions. But um, 
you'll get the idea. He, he asks, have I ever had the opportunity to choose? And he lists the following. Have I ever had the opportunity to choose? Here they are. Think about these as I go. Have I ever had the opportunity to choose where I live? How I will earn a living? Where my children will go to school? What I will wear today? Whether I will eat today? Where I will eat today? Where I will sleep tonight? Have I ever had the opportunity to choose whether I have central heating or air conditioning? Whether I will buy medicines prescribed for me or my family? Have I ever had the opportunity to choose whether I will make use of mental health or psychological care? Whether I will save money and how much I will save? Whether I have a telephone? Whether I'll have a TV or cable television? Book written a little bit about. Have I ever had the opportunity to choose where I will go on vacation? How I will make my home or office more beautiful or more comfortable? Have I ever had the opportunity to choose whether I will repair what is broken in my home or surrounding? Or whether I will own a car? Or what to do with my inheritance? He writes at the end of this chapter... He writes, often it is difficult to differentiate between necessities and luxuries. In fact, the very definition of necessity varies widely according to the context of our lives. Food, clothing, shelter, recreation, and security, for example, are basic human needs. But how we interpret the satisfaction of these needs in our own lives may provide contemporary content for the gospel story. Somebody might look at me who's conservatively politically minded and go, Hey, look, we all, we all have, we, we, we can all make our, of ourselves, whatever the hell we want to. Jerry, your, your whole thing here is null and void because people can do whatever the hell they want to. People can choose to rise up or choose to sit down. And again, I will assert that that's missing the point because some of us are currently enjoying the spoils of racism, discrimination, and oppression, period. Some of us are. Some of us are dying because of it as well. Some of us get pulled over by the cops a lot because we are. Some of us feel so disenfranchised from the system and from culture that looting and rioting makes sense. I'm hoping that you deal with who you are in your community today. I am. I'm hoping that you understand your privilege. I'm hoping that you can take a little bit of contemplative time today and sit back and seek some silence and ask the deeper questions of who you are concerning others' needs. Do you allow others' need in your life? Can you look outside of yourself beyond your driveway 
and into your, your community and see your hand touch another, regardless of their color, their street, their religion, their language, their country of origin. Do you see your hands in the community in need? I don't want to guilt and shame anybody, and I hope I have not. I don't want to sit on moral high ground with a long-barreled rifle and just pick off easy targets. At the end of the day, again, I pray for new. I pray for new to come from the idea of how you see need. And that's my prayer. If you need me, I'm JR at JRMan.com, J-R-M-A-H-O-N.com. I am a spiritual director. The easy variation of being a spiritual director is that I'm a coach hopped up on crack. That's a joke, so you can relax. <laughs> but um, I help people. I help people um, with the direction of their lives. And if I, can, if I can help you, I would be more than happy to. I also run a little thing called Tabletop Ministries. We provide spiritual direction absolutely free for those who can't afford uh, therapies and counseling and such. Uh, and uh, we do it all for free. And we spiritual direct people all over the country, all over the world. And we are very, very grateful uh, and, and just absolutely pleased as punch to do the work that we do. And we thank all of you who give to Tabletop. And I encourage you, though, I encourage those who have got uh, some extra coin and are looking to give to a completely legit 501c3 because we took uh, great care into making sure it was legit. Um, and if you need to uh, ask more questions about that, you can. But if you're looking for a place to uh, um, give, we would absolutely love it. And so would the people who take advantage of Tabletop Ministries. Um, hey, thanks all for listening. Thanks for being a part of my passion. I love you. We'll talk soon.